What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Severe MMA Podcast. And it's a special edition this time, as I'm joined by Ben Cartledge, coming home with his suntan from, from Abu Dhabi <laughs> after spending a, a month out there judging and officiating and doing different things. Ben, how are you? How are things today? I'm not too bad. I'm back to it. Back to normal now, kind of my body clock's kind of right and, and my suntan's basically gone and, and yeah, I'm uh, I'm all good. It's really good to be uh, it's really good to be back. How is uh Stoke compared to Abu Dhabi in terms of well, very similar, to be honest. I mean it's <laughs> twinned, basically. Yeah. It's it's a similar it's a similar concept, but yeah, it's so uh, it is good to be it's kind of good to be back it's weird now because it's been a week and it's it's like anything like it seems like forever ago mm-hmm. but i mean uh, it was it was quite like i say a big a big kind of uh, chunk of time and uh yeah it was <laughs> it was fantastic you've uh voxel world up the road instead of ferrari world yeah that's it yeah <laughs> you laugh that's not too far from me it's derby it's, only like a, it's not too far at all that's hilarious brilliant yeah, yeah. you didn't even plan that no, i mean I that's didn't. phenomenal that came, that came straight away. I'm fisted your way through to a great pun i respect that <laughs> thank you i was actually going to go for aston martin world first but i thought that'd be too much that'd be, oh, that'd, well, you oh, could actually nah. do that that'd be cool so. no nah, there's, yeah. there's bentley and crew which is not too far away yeah. but yeah there is a voxel there's a voxel thing not too not too far from me <laughs> nice man bring a few courses up for the there you go <laughs> come flying around yeah, do a drift lap in it like do you know what i mean Apple. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun. um i suppose like the first thing we'll we'll talk about here is getting there how i like how did it come to pass i know we we talked before about uh obviously at the end of last year but we were, we were talking in private about the, the whole pandemic i think a lot of people at the start of this pandemic were very wary about you know fighters are wary about fighting promoters are wary about putting on cards and i know a judge and officials are probably wary about doing them as well although for a lot of people it's you know, it's uh, like you know Mark Goddard and Herb Dean and all maybe the best, uh, the the biggest officials over in America and uh, judges as well. It's like their bread and butter, so they kind of need to get it. But kind of understood the situation as well. W- when you kind of got the call, w- were, what were the thoughts going through your head? Like, were, was it one of safety immediately, and one of like, mm, will I do this? Won't I do this? Or what way were you kind of thinking? It was strange, really, because um, obviously the last event I did was the Cage Warriors card that was the day before the UK uh, lockdown or a couple of days before the UK lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I finished that event and and drove home and I'd kind of made my peace with the fact that I probably wouldn't be judging for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I understood that there was going to be a, there was going to be a very long period of time where I wasn't going to, I think I was, um, I was also booked for the UFC London um, card, which was that weekend, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. That would have been the Saturday. And that got, that obviously that got canceled. Um, so, as kind of I was lucky really because with my nine to five I was able to work from home um and as it kind of went on and we we kind of the 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 lockdown got kind of harsher and harsher I remember thinking to myself I don't know I, I had kind of for a while I thought to myself I might never do this again mm-hmm. do you know what I mean yeah. you get really stuck into that mindset of I, I saw the sport kind of coming back but I just saw so many problems and logistically wise with with the with anybody trying to do anything like that, I thought to myself, it might, I might never do it again. It might be a good kind of while. So uh, when this stuff started happening about um, uh, Fight Island, I remember thinking to myself, I didn't think anything, anything of it really. I thought it's a cool concept and I thought uh, the UFC will do this really well. And, and then um, I saw a couple of adverts uh, go up and it, and it revealed the location and it said it was in Abu Dhabi. And I thought to myself, oh, that's interesting because obviously that's a, a place that kind of I've worked at. And historically, a lot of the officials from Europe and the, uh, the EMEA kind of lot have worked at. So I thought to myself, oh, maybe who knows what will happen? Like I wasn't 
banking on it, then I was just kind of getting on with it. And then, um, yeah, the uh, the UFC obviously uh, spoke to me about it, laid out the specifics of it um, and how long it'd be and what I'd need to do. And I thought to myself, uh, I was immediately, I thought, well, this this would be kind of once in a lifetime. This would be quite the adventure. But I thought to myself, I should probably, or I will check with uh, one, my wife, and two, my job, pretty much. Yeah, and the um, dogs as well. Don't forget the dogs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I got the... Uh, I got the okay from uh, I got the okay from both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, the funny thing with my my job being that uh, obviously, like I bet a lot of people, uh, I haven't used any annual leave this year mm-hmm. because I haven't needed to because I've been at home. So I get X amount of annual leave, um, and there hasn't seemed to be any point of it when you're kind of locked down and can't really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I did have quite a bit of a bit of leave lined up. So when I spoke to my boss about it, he was like, yeah, take it. He was, he was dead happy. Like he didn't, he didn't want like, he didn't want everybody getting to Christmas and having the whole of December off. Yeah. So <laughs> he was happy with me taking kind of two weeks. So when I looked at it, uh, logistically and I got, obviously when, uh, I spoke to my wife and she said, well, I could get a dog sitter for these days and, and, uh, and X, Y, Z, I thought to myself, well, I need to make it like, I've got the facility to be able to do it. I need to look at it logically and think, uh, is it something that uh, I want to do? And that took about five seconds. And I was like, of course it is. Like, why, why would I not want to do this? This would be an unbelievable, uh, an unbelievable adventure. So I, uh, I messaged him back straight away and said, yeah, I'm available. I can sort that out. And then um, slowly but surely over the next couple of weeks, um, I, I received more and more information about um, uh, the exactly what would happen, what I'd be required to do, all the, everything. And as you might imagine, um, the amount of safety and protocol stuff that I received was just, uh, it's another level really. So like, but you'd expect that from the UFC, they're the, they're the, biggest, uh, the biggest show in the world with the best resources. And also as well, they've got the experience of putting shows on in this, uh, and during this pandemic, yeah. they were the, one of the first sports back and they've had those shows in America and, learn from them obviously and that this this would be something completely different but as soon as i uh, as soon as i said yes my thoughts weren't on uh safety or anything like that i knew that the ufc would uh, would take care of it um and and yeah like that then the uh well then the adventure began really mm-hmm. well could you just run us through before we get into the the, the judging side of it i spoke to therese mckee uh last week who obviously was over there and fighting over as well and he said like that the safety precautions were more than he thought they, they ever could be you know what i i know you what was it, you quarantined here for two days you got over quarantined there for two days got multiple tests and everything like that could you just maybe quickly run us through getting there and to, you know once you're there and once you're in the bubble it's all grand but kind of getting there what, what were the precautions? yeah exactly um so uh i think it was the monday maybe monday the 6th of july was it mm-hmm. um we drove down to a hotel um, and I was going to be leaving my car there for three weeks. Um, I got to the got to the hotel, um, and basically what happened was uh, I had to have uh, my first uh, COVID test, and then after I'd completed that, I had to go wait in my room for 48 hours while they got the results back. Um, uh, so in that time, um, obviously, it's, it's so strange. The weird thing is, is that like I hadn't been out that much during because obviously my work's office based so i I'd, i hadn't been uh, uh out and about too much during the as the lockdown kind of yeah. softened a little bit and you could do more i still was a bit hesitant about it mm-hmm. uh, and i was especially hesitant after i accepted uh, this this uh, uh ufc gig because um if i put myself in a situation where i could potentially come into contact maybe with people who had been around uh, been around covid um 
I could jeopardize my own trip or if I'd come into contact with anybody else while I was there. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. you, you've got to think about the whole kind of thing, really. So um, the funny thing was I had the I had the test on the Monday and uh, we finished and the, the, the gentleman explained to me what I need to do and what would be happening and about uh, all the rest of it. And I was like, okay. And I thought to myself, oh, God, I better get to my room. And my, like, my room in the hotel was like, it felt like, it was really funny, like it was right in the corner of like, I felt like I was walking for about 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so weird because the hotel's really empty. But I went in and I went up the lift and I went in. It, I thought to myself, right, I know where this is. I walked all the way down this corridor, down about what felt like about 20 corridors. And I don't know why. I had a real sense of like urgency. Like I was like, I've got to, got to get in. Yeah. So I like, I got in, shut the door, and then I was like, Oh no, I'm here for two days now, aren't I? I don't know why I rushed. Like I <laughs> should have enjoyed that walk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought to myself, I have got two days in here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought to myself, right, this is it. This is how it starts. And so I did it. I did two days in. Uh, I did two days in in there. Um, and then uh, the UFC obviously uh, got in contact with me and said that my test had come back negative. Um, so obviously uh, the flight would be at this time, which was the, the same evening, which is the Wednesday. And so on the Wednesday evening, uh, we flew out, um, got there early hours of Thursday morning. Um, and then on Thursday morning, um, we all got to the the, the hotel um, and the security precautions, like the, the security precautions, obviously the, the, the uh, on kind of our side were, were like more than I'd, stricter than I'd ever seen. But when we went over to Abu Dhabi, the security precautions that they uh, were in place at the hotels were just unbelievable like i got i got off the bus and uh, a guy got my suitcases out of the the bus and then sprayed him down with uh, this uh, antibacterial spray and then um i you couldn't get off the bus unless you had gloves and a mask on and there was all that kind of stuff and i walked in i uh, got my uh, room key they had them all thing she sprayed that down for me and then i had to go get another test um another covid test and then i got escorted up t- i walked t- towards the lift and a guy stopped me and then sprayed in the lift and then I walked in and then I walked out and then I walked straight to my room and then and then that was it for another uh, that was it for another uh two days um I think halfway through that I think it was on the so I think I got the second bit of quarantine was Thursday to Saturday on the Friday I had to have another COVID test because there was a group of fighters arriving it was weigh-in days mm-hmm. um so yeah I had, th- I had three tests in um uh, about four days um and then once that had finished so once you got that quarantine out of the way then um you basically uh were allowed uh to go there was areas you could go designated areas i mean everybody probably saw there was that big document about the the protocol and everything um so there was areas you could kind of go to and then you'd have to have another test when another group of fighters were coming in um and then once you'd passed that test you you then um they updated your credentials um and you're able to kind of go where you could go before basically um so that was it really um i had a uh, i think i had six tests in Jesus. uh 21 <laughs> days or 20 days something like that yeah like um i think when, when it, they kind of started at first i was obviously very critical of like cage orders as well when they did it in the ufc and everyone who was trying to do it to start but i think i've had to complete like people like you talking and the fighters talking about the the safety precaution i think it's they're probably doing it as well as anyone in the world, you know, at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I know the basketball are doing it well and the Premier League are doing it well as well. But yeah, I, I think the safety questions, they, I, I know if they didn't have it down, 
I, I would say it, and I think a lot of people yeah, know exactly. that, but I, I think they're doing very well. One thing as well, I want to, you know, you talked about the, the preparations for the kind of the safety and the, how you got the job and all, but I'm just looking at MMA decisions here. So there's f- almost exactly four months between that Cage Warriors fight and UFC 251, the first fight card you did back. Yeah. For yourself, preparations for judging, what, what did you kind of do? How did you kind of get your eye back in, I suppose, in judging? So um, myself and David Letherby and Mark Collette, uh, every day in the quarantine over in Abu Dhabi, mm-hmm. uh, we'd have a, 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 a Zoom, a three-way Zoom call mm-hmm. where one of us, uh, it was Dave had a really good laptop, so he kind of hosted him. Um, and then what he'd do is he'd uh, we'd pick a fight, and then we'd watch we'd watch the fight together, and then we'd round by round we'd submit scores and we'd talk about it, and we kind of uh, we did that. Quite a lot, to be honest. We'd pick kind of fights at random. We'd pick fights that have happened recently or older fights. And we did kind of two or three calls in that time, Zoom calls with just us three. And you'd kind of uh, watch around and then somebody would just pick somebody at random. Like it, it was it was really good because it didn't feel like anybody was kind of running it. But like at the end of every round, somebody would go, right then, Dave, I'd have that. And he'd say, oh, I had it this way because X, Y, and Z. And then mm-hmm. we'd kind of talk about it like that. So we did that a lot. Um, which really helped kind of me. Um, and me as well, like I watched quite a lot of fights during quarantine, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of stuff on my uh, on my tablet, and then obviously you just connect to the Wi-Fi, can't you? And you've got Fight Pass there. It's a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal resource for stuff like that. So I watched a lot of... Uh, I watched a lot of fights. I tried to watch a lot of really close fights. I tried to watch a lot of, like not contested but i tried to touch a lot of fights that i remember people talking about that went five rounds so i could really because i thought to myself like there's a good chance that especially with the first card um there's a good chance that uh, i'm going to be called on to do a a, a title fight maybe mm-hmm. um and i don't i don't want it to be uh an unusual kind of experience to sit down there and have to do kind of five rounds so i watched uh, i made a point of of watching and scoring and a load of uh a load of five round fights and like i say that zoom stuff was so helpful though so 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 helpful like i say we all kind of did it and we all said on the on the, the, the night of the first show we were like this is it's really it's really kind of good that we've gone back into looking at fights kind of analytically again that that uh patty pimler julian rosa fight you give, the, you give that a watch back did you yeah <laughs> every couple of days yeah, every- yeah. And send me. I was fucking right. There you go. <laughs> um, we'll get into card by card in, in a second. But one thing I want to ask you before we kind of do that. Overall, I saw someone put out a thing the other day. Like, has uh, the last card that happened was this the most insane card or the most insane forty-eight hours in UFC history? I'm like, mm, uh, calm down now a little bit. But for judging and for not just judging, but officiating, refereeing, and all. The last maybe month or three weeks, I find it very hard to remember a time as. Maybe not, uh, maybe not tumultuous or debatable, but there was never as much like talked about. Obviously, we had the the Herb Dean Dan Hardy thing. We had this Alexander Volkanovsky Max Holloway fight, which we'll obviously get to in a second. I know you weren't on that one, but we might talk about it a little bit. And we, you know, we had a few other things as well. We, you know, comments from Big John and Mark Romandi put out a, a tweet about the judging and everything like that. For you overall. How, how was kind of that experience just kind of being inside that because me covering this sport over the last maybe two years i've talked to, obviously talked to you in the podcast a few times and talked to different judges and looked at judging maybe a little bit way more closer than i ever had before and i've kind of got maybe an appreciation for the judging but maybe the, the humans involved in it as well for you being one of those humans involved in it, how how did that kind of mad period uh sit with you 
I was aware, uh, especially with the first event, um, that this was big. Mm-hmm. This this felt kind of a, a, a kind of a once in a lifetime kind of thing. It's it, that the everything surrounding it, like um, the the nature of how that card came together, the fact that we had the uh, the fact that we had the, the three title fights at the top of the card. It was just that kicked off the whole kind of the whole uh, and it, the whole festival of kind of fighting really. Mm-hmm. And the thing with that was that as soon as that first card had finished there's from a judging point of view and from an official point of view there isn't a great amount of time to uh especially in the first week yeah. to kind of decompress like um i took some time away after the the uh the first card um had a nice day kind of relaxing and then got back into watching fights analytically again and, and getting prepared for the midweek card and then did the same after the midweek card for the next saturday card so i mean there was a lot of um it was very you, I was aware of the of how big it was in the the outside kind of world because I mean you don't want to wander on a social media, um, but the problem is when you've got a lot of time, like it's very it's very kind of easy to do, um, uh, and it's very easy to to see what people are saying, and then before you know it, you're, you're a couple of hours deep in it, and it hasn't made anybody feel any better. Like you don't, <laughs> it hasn't helped anything, but you're aware of the the magnitude of it like we had the the good thing as well as we had a really a tight-knit group of officials really um a, a, a bunch of people that we've probably all worked together on various shows throughout uh europe and, and the middle east and all these different uh, all these different areas so it was good really because you kind of you you knew everybody knew everybody and and we had a yeah we had a, a great group of people and that really kind of helped us out i think i think a lot of times uh i i'd uh after obviously we got the test back and uh, everything was was all right and we could socialize and everything um i bought a because uh, i'm quite a bit of a video gamer i bought a uh, a little mega drive mini with me and a couple of controllers and uh i got this pool game on it called side pocket and me and rich mitchell one of the referees spent hours playing that like mm-hmm. best of 15 games of pool drinking tea and listening to music and uh me and mark collette did and me and dave letherby did it's, it's just it was nice to have things that you could do to kind of unwind really um but i was aware of the fact leading up to the first card just how big it was because i had people messaging me about the card who don't usually message me about any other cards yeah. or don't usually watch kind of fights too much people i kind of sort of know from work or maybe know kind of socially a little bit uh would were messaging me and i thought to myself this is clearly got a very big uh, clearly got a very big reach mm-hmm. when you saw that tweet saying this is uh not the usual uh officials this is the, not the american officials they, they didn't send over american uh experience officials i i ask you what you were thinking i'll tell you what i was thinking first i was thinking like what the fuck because you know, dear, looking at MMA decisions, looking at your MMA decisions, and Mark Collette and Dave Ledeby and Clemens and the other guys as well. There's you know, there's a lot there. You've done, you know, KSW and Brave and UFC and Bellator world title fights. You know, what was your reaction kind of when you when you see something like that on maybe the, the day after a big card like this or during the yeah. middle of a big card? It was before, wasn't it? It was the day before. Like I think somebody put the somebody put the uh, thingies up, and then I saw that tweet, and I went a little bit. I was just like, "Me too." I, just, <laughs> I don't know. You just can't help but feel like protective. But then you yeah. wonder if you're just being. Am I just being deliberately antagonistic because I'm in a kind of a quarantine setting, and mm-hmm. it's kind of just, I'm being super kind of defensive. But then I, I look at like. Um, everybody I was working with. And as, as, as I said, I think in the reply, like everybody deserves this. Everybody who's here, this non, it's nobody's first rodeo. 
Do you know I mean, like you say, we've done, mm-hmm. we've got experience from yeah, all these European shows and a load of other shows. We like had judges who'd worked on and one global and Brave and all these shows in Poland and and all across Europe and and Venator and and everywhere really. Mm-hmm. And and like I say, it's it, I just um I, I thought to myself like initially I thought uh, I kind of felt a bit insulted by it and then i kind of calmed down a little bit and was like it's just you can't just get wound up by everything you read on the internet because you'd just be there all day wouldn't you Mm -hmm. Um, but i just thought of myself like uh i went back and forth with him and then he dm'd me a little bit and we chatted and everything's kind of cool it's no i understand kind of his point of view now but here's the thing like um for me personally it kind of galvanized me a little bit because i thought to myself i was like really psyched and really hyped for the whole thing anyway and really excited about going out there and and judging but i just thought to myself like this this, this guy can't be the only one who thinks thinks maybe that these judges aren't or these officials aren't right for this and what we need to do is go out there and and uh and really kind of really kind of perform so it kind of lit a fire under me a little bit to be honest with you yeah um right let's get into a couple of the fights here in the first fight you know we, we kind of talked about it uh after it happened this uh leonardo santos roman bagra fight so this from from me watching it i was watching, I was like, oh, this, there's a lot of fouls in this fight, there's two points taken, there's a lot of madness going on in this fight, and I didn't really even kind of think about the scoring of it, maybe until afterwards, until I was like, oh, who won that round, who won that oh, this is the score. But from a judge's point of view, when there's kind of a lot of madness going on, and a lot of, like a 15-minute fight, this fight probably went down about 28 minutes, you know, there were, there were so many stoppages and points taken and all. From your point of view, in the middle of judging that fight, like, how does it feel? it's just like spinning plates like that's the that was the fight where i had um uh, a couple of fights uh one that went one a stoppage uh one a, a closest decision um and then when this happened um uh, the first round was fairly straightforward and then in the second round obviously uh uh roman bogatov nearly got finished um so you have that is it or isn't it a 10-8 narrative and then he came back with 30 40 seconds has he done enough damage to earn the nine like where are we kind of with all that and obviously you've got the fouls in the middle of that mm-hmm. um and then you've got obviously the the two-point deduction after the uh the um intentional foul from bogatov in the third and then he's finishing really strong is he moving towards a 10-8 but how much of that damage has been caused by fouls how much do you know what i mean there's mm-hmm. uh, that's that there tells you how many different things um uh, you've got to contend with at that point. And like you say, this is all in real time. You're all trying to take this in and, and kind of keep your, keep your head together. Um, the, the craziest thing with that was it, it finished um, and I, I put my scores in and uh, I went over to uh, Clemens and uh, uh, Lucas, I think it was, and was like, wow, that was mad. And we were all just talking about oh, this round and this and different kind of dynamics. And we were talking that long. I didn't really realize they'd brought them both together. And then I hadn't really... Normally what you'll do is if you see the other judges, you'll go, oh, how did you have that? And they'll be like, yeah. oh, I had it, whatever it was. Do you know what I mean? This, and you'll be like, oh, okay, what about this round? But we were just talking about how many mad things had happened. And then uh, when Bruce Buffer read out um, uh, all three judges, uh, 29-26, I think it was, um, I just looked looked at them both and was like, God almighty, good job, guys. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> that's a, for, a, for a fight like that where there is so many crazy moving parts to get a... a Everybody having every round exactly the same uh, is is kind of a, is a good performance, and that was one of the performances, like official and wise, that I looked at. And there was a lot over the over the uh, the course of the whole the whole thing. Really, there was a lot of officials who kind of stepped up and, and put in really really strong performances. But I mean, 
from a judging point of view, I was really happy with that coming out. Uh, old cards having it the same, but from a uh, from a refereeing point of view, I thought Mark Goddard did an absolute blinder there. Yeah. When you consider how much, uh, when you consider for for Mark as well, I think that was his first fight back. Oh, really? um, that was that was the first fight he'd ref that evening. Mm-hmm. So the first f- event that he'd done Jesus. since the uh, since the the Cage Warriors card. Yeah, straight into so, the fire. Uh, <laughs> ex- exactly, that's it. But you know what? He wouldn't have it any other way. Like he's he's the, the best in the world when he's in that kind of that kind of eye of the storm. Really, I've always yeah. said that, and it's it's very true. And I mean, he uh, maybe not like uh, he probably couldn't have done without some of those. But I mean, <laughs> he, uh, he he was uh, we we spoke about it afterwards, and he just said like um, it was a. Yeah, very, uh, very. It felt a very intense fight as it was uh, as it was happening. There was a lot of dynamics there. Yeah, I want to ask you two questions about that. Maybe not the, the specific fight, but the situational fight itself. Right. So, <laughs> let's say around was it the second round like that? Let's say that the round was a. I'm not sure if it was. A, let's say it was a ten eight nine round, right? Um, yeah. And there's there's a two points taken away in the middle. When you got to write down your score at the end of the round, do you write down ten nine? Or do you write down ten seven, or does someone else take away? What way does it work? So if you are if you're filling your scorecard out, you've got uh, three kind of boxes on each side. You've got mm-hmm. red corner, blue corner, and then you've got points awarded. You've got points deducted, and then you've got total points. Okay. Um, so if it was ten uh, nine, uh, let's say blue corner, but then he lost two points. Your first box will be ten, and then it'd be nine on the red side, mm-hmm. and then uh, the next box down, which would be points deducted, would be minus two for the blue corner and nothing for the red and then your total would be eight and then nine mm-hmm. so you'd kind of uh, you'd kind of do it that way um so you've got like one when you're filling out the individual uh, uh kind of ticket score sheet things um that's the way you kind of do it so you score the round first and then you do the points and then you put kind of the total okay. um so it's kind of a that's something else as well like a, a crazy dynamic about that fight you've got to make sure that you're a you're kind of on the ball with stuff like that when when there's all that uh, all that kind of stuff going on. I was just, it, it was a wild fight to be uh, to be kind of involved with, but mm-hmm. one that I was pleased that uh, I kind of got the chance to do, and and it, it worked out. Um, it was a, a very entertaining fight. Unfortunate with the unfortunate with the situation with the fouls, how it kind of happened because it was shaping up to be very uh, very entertaining. Um, but yeah, as uh, one that I was really pleased that the how the official went on that one. Uh-huh. And another similar not in this fight but let's say a situation happened right where there was a fight like this it was say a minute left in the round this guy was one guy was winning blue corner was winning maybe 10-9 if it had finished there it'd be 10-9 and then there was a bad foul right where two points were taken um you're you'll obviously still have that fight 10-9 but then you're kind of taking away the two points afterwards yeah but the last minute there's a lot of damage done to that guy who got hit with the foul the fight goes on and he takes loads of damage and it said ends a 10-8 like in that situation, what what way do you look at it? Do you look at like the the immediate impact was given by the foul, or do you <laughs> like what what way? What are you thinking in your head, right? When that happens and there's a big situation where someone is hurt badly, but then they get hurt more. Like how is it? It must be very hard not to score the illegal stuff there. I know what you mean, like um, but I mean generally you have got that uh, you have got that break, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Um. Obviously, there's there's a regarding the uh, regarding the rules. If a fighter um, uh, later on in a fight can't uh, continue yeah. as the result of a uh, of a, a deliberate foul, so let's say there was like a uh, people say headbutt all the time when they mean clash of heads. Say there was an actual headbutt yeah. um, and somebody got a cut, and then later on in the fight they couldn't kind of continue as, as a result of that. Then obviously um, you could go to the you could go to the cards if they 
Uh, but that there's a different protocol to that as regarding um, an accidental foul. Um, so like a, with a, an accidental foul, uh, the person who committed the foul could still technically win. Whereas with a, a deliberate foul, which then results later on in the fight not being able to continue, the person who's committed the foul, the best they can do is get a technical draw. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of kind of stuff. But it, uh, when a foul like that happens, you have to compartmentalize it. It's mm-hmm. finished. You can't penalize somebody twice. You, you'll hear the, the referees kind of saying that. You can't then take it kind of back. You're aware of of what's uh, of of what's going on and what's gone on more, um, but. Yeah, you have to kind of pick out what you think is the, like you say, the immediately impactful, uh, immediately, impa- immediately impactful striking and and grappling in that situation. But yeah, it does it does complicate things as you might imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I suppose maybe two of the two of the most hotly contested fights, uh, judging wise, were on this card as well from Rosnami Yunus versus Jessica Andrade uh, and Alexander Volkanovsky uh, versus uh, Max Holloway. You didn't do either of those two, if I'm not mistaken. You're, you're lucky. You, you got away, you got away with it. With him, I like. I suppose the the Nami Yunus Andrade one was like it was a very close one. I think you know. I don't think too many people were giving out about that. I think it could kind of could have gone uh, either way. But the Volkanovski Holloway one, like that's the fight where there's a debate over maybe the system. But I like you. You look at that in the, the first two rounds. I think very clear for for Max Holloway with the the couple yeah. of knockdowns, and in the last three rounds were very close but obviously a lot of people gave those three rounds to Volkanovski personally I gave exactly. one of the rounds to Max Holloway but I can see it going the other way how frustrating is that that like I think there's there's a level of acknowledgement at times when we see fights like this that we know the system is there and we know how the round should be scored but ah, I hate the system and I don't like the way it is but wh- like when you see a fight like that when you see the reaction to it what, what's, what are you kind of thinking I just think that uh I don't, it's 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 frustrating um and yeah it's the thing with that is though you say about oh, me kind of not being on that and yeah it was it was one of those ones where i look back at it and think to myself there's a lot of uh attention uh after that but i mean it's just yeah you, you judge for long enough you're gonna get one of them eventually do you know what i mean you can't dodge it you can't dodge bullets forever yeah. like we <laughs> there's all uh, there's plenty of fights with their names on them out there but uh the thing that got that kind of got me about it is the fact that it it goes to the thing about people maybe not not understand like you say maybe not understanding not appreciating that the fight scored round by round maybe uh, like you say that that's the way they want fights to be scored that's the way they think fights should be scored but that's not the way fights are scored yeah. and uh, it's always going to um it's always going to kind of someone's always going to struggle with with comprehending that when they watch a um a, a fighter win two rounds convincingly and then there's three close rounds, yeah. um, and that means that the fighter who won the two rounds convincingly can still, still lose the fight. Mm-hmm. But that's the nature of the that's the nature of how fights are scored. And um, I think after that fight, I think a lot of people talked. I think a lot of people did a lot of good, uh, a lot of good content. I saw a lot of people talking judging and judging theory, and it kind of every now and then, like you do need a fight like that where people can understand uh, a little bit more how the uh, uh, how how scoring actually works because there's there's clearly misconceptions and obviously there's always going to be and you're going to get a bigger percentage of uh, verbal kind of and visual misconceptions mm-hmm. when you've got a bigger card um, and that card was massive like it did over a million I think the numbers that came back was it 1.2 1.3 million pay per view buys so I mean there's a lot of people going to be going to be watching that and are they going to be 
hardened mixed martial arts fans or somebody people who are going to just dipped in because they like uh, uh, the main event or do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, um, you, you probably wouldn't get if you had a fight like that that happened on maybe a midweek card. Mm-hmm. Um, would you get as much? Uh, response from the the, the kind of public because maybe you'd associate it more with a, a more kind of knowledgeable audience or a more kind of not knowledgeable that's the wrong word but um, uh, a more specific uh, kind of do you know sure, what I mean a trend based yeah. audience uh, for, for a kind of card like that but uh, I heard a lot of people talking about that um, I wasn't on that fight I did the one before and the one after um, and I watched uh, it was funny because we were uh, uh, backstage, obviously, because what they want to do from a social distancing point of view is they want as few people as possible on the uh, kind of arena floor. So mm-hmm. um, we had kind of a uh, an officials room, which is all kind of spaced out and everything, and with a monitor in there, so we could sit and watch the fights. And um, it was myself, Rich Mitchell, a few others, um, and that fight started. And obviously, we were all talking about who do you think's won. And you, the thing is, you're doing other stuff at the same time. I'm kind of checking my phone and, and getting food or whatever. And mm-hmm. uh, the the third round uh, finished and uh, Rich looked at me, he goes, what do you reckon? I said, that was close, man. I goes, I wouldn't be surprised to see, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Volkanovski uh, nicked that. Like that's a, that's a close round. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and then the, uh, the fourth round finished and he turned around again and I went, it's another one, mate. And I, I said to him, just joking, I said, what you don't want here I said, what you don't want is a is a, a really close fifth round mm. and you don't want Volkanovski nicking three, clearly losing two, and then getting an absolute cacophony of nonsense on the internet. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> like, that, that is 100% what happened. Um, and that's the that, 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 that's kind of the game. Do you know what the worst thing about that is? Yeah. You can't do anything to stop it. No. Like you can't, from a judging point of view, it's like when you see uh, when Mark Goddard's refing and uh, that Russian, uh, um, that Russian, uh, Roman Bogatov throws that knee. Yeah. He knows he's going to throw that knee. Yeah, of course. Yeah. He knows it's illegal. He's, mm-hmm. he's cradled the back of his head, but he can't do anything to stop it. Mm-hmm. He's just got to watch it. Like he can't imagine if he hooked the leg and went, you can't do that. Like <laughs> the absolute uproar. That's not in the rules, but from a, that's the thing. Like you have to let that happen. And from a, from a, a judging kind of viewpoint, like, like sit, watching from backstage, I just thought about my, about my kind of, they're my colleagues, but they're my friends more to the point. I just thought, you, I just, you just feel bad for him. Cause you, just think, you don't need this. <laughs> yeah. You don't need this. You don't need this at all. It's a funny thing. Cause maybe you can point to that as an issue with the system, but like, I, I actually don't think it is because I've, I've read through this system more than probably most people who are not judges. I, I really think the system is fantastic and it's written for, like people say, oh, it's a boxing system and all that. It's really not. You know, it's it's really no, it a isn't. good MMA system. And look, these are the rules of the sport, right? I'd love it if left-footed goals didn't count in the Premier League because Mo Salah scored loads for Liverpool and they probably wouldn't want it. But that's not the fucking system we have, you know? Exactly. That's not, that's not the system we have. This is no, the system isn't. we have. And I think, for, I think you know, people say a, a lot of things that's thrown around. It's not for purpose. But I really genuinely, and I'm maybe an, an unbiased view, maybe maybe the, uh, some judges and officials wouldn't be an unbiased view, but I genuinely think it serves a great purpose. Like you, as someone who judges fights, and it'd be, for you, the the best thing for you would be the best system that causes no controversy. Do you think the system itself, and I know this might be a fucking half an hour answer, but maybe in short, do you think the system is good for purpose? 
Yeah, exactly. I think it, I don't have any problem with it at all. I think judging now is in a better place than it's ever been. I and I think the criteria, thanks to the rewording that uh, the guys at the ABC did when that came in in 2017, mm -hmm. has uh, changed judging for the better. Um, and it's it's changed judging from the better, not just from a judging point of view, but from a, a spectator point of view. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at the way the criteria is written now, fighters are actively rewarded for taking risks and for trying to finish fights. Mm -hmm. And that is, if you look at anybody who's who uh, who watches uh, mixed martial arts in general, um, will have an interest in seeing fights finished. Mm -hmm. We'll will want to see on some level. People, you might get people who are more into maybe submissions or people who don't like big knockouts or whatever. But those kind of action flashpoints of these of these combat sports are what are the iconic moments that, that people are drawn to and judging now rewards that like if you're in a you're in a situation now where you can maybe lose a, a two or three minutes of a, of a five minute round mm -hmm. uh, maybe quite clearly but then on a break you could maybe go for broke land a couple of big shots and you're straight away right back in it even though from a, a strictly uh, sliding scale time point of view you might not you might not have of one, so to speak, as much of the round. But what you've if what you've done is more immediately impactful, mm -hmm. then you've got a, a much bigger chance of winning that round. And that makes for more exciting fights and it makes for more transparent judging, which is if you'd have said to me like ten years ago, that's those would be the goals for anybody, surely. Yeah. We want exciting fights and we want people to understand what they've got to be able to do to win. And both of those happen now. Mm -hmm. And I think anyone who kind of reads the criteria it's much more easy to understand like it's okay it takes a bit of time to under, understand maybe all the intricacies and all but i think from a very base point of view reading that criteria everyone who i've seen read it or watched the video i put up i i genuinely think everyone who has seen that has got a better understanding for it and that that shows how good it is but i suppose you know, we will talk more maybe about the criteria and stuff in a second. We'll be here for fucking four hours. <laughs> the next, uh, uh, the main event there, I suppose, was relatively straightforward enough. You know, the, the first round close, but the, the rest. And in the next card, looking at this card, right, there wasn't anything maybe stand out in this card. But the only thing I'm looking stand out, there's one, two, three, four, five uh, fights in the main card. Unanimous decision, unanimous decision, unanimous decision, unanimous decision, unanimous decision. There's one fight that went to a decision on the undercard. Also unanimous decision. When you see something like that, you, a lot of unanimous decisions there without no split decisions on the card. What, what, what are you thinking when you, when you see that? You've got to be happy, aren't you? Yeah. Like, that's that's the... Um, and the whole kind of unanimous split thing, like like we've said so many times, close fights are kind of close fights. But, I mean, it's, it, it's kind of good to see. And I think as well, like, after... Uh, obviously, there was a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of reaction to the card after the... The, the Saturday card, the pay-per-view card, a lot of people talking about a lot of things and as always, judging gets thrown in the, the kind of spotlight. But um, for us to come out and and kind of uh, perform like that um, in terms of the, from an official's point of view, there the being no real kind of talking points for the being, for the being unanimous decisions on a lot of very nip and tuck fights. Um, it was It was kind of... It was nice for that to uh, it was nice for that to happen. And I think this was a this was a shorter card as well. I want to say they had a fight. Um, they had a fight fall off. So I don't think we started till a bit later. So I think the first I want to say the first fight was something like three a.m. Yeah. Or, or half two or something like that. Whereas the first fight on the pay per view card I think was one a.m. Um, so I think it was yeah. So I remember getting picked up in the lobby at about half past one. So I was uh, um, it was a different kind of a different kind of thing. We had kind of less we had 
uh, like I say, less less kind of fights to do. But yeah, it's just to have a card like that where you, where you've got the decisions that come out like that, and and everybody's uh, really kind of uh, really kind of pleased with it. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, there's a lot of people talking as well. Like I said, there always is judging and refereeing wise, but. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing that stood out to me, like refereeing performances on that, I was really, really impressed with uh, Dan Moverheady, how he dealt with the situation with uh, Modestas, Buskowskis, um, and Mikolidis at the yeah. end of that round. Because um, people don't pick up on stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what do you want your referee to do there in that situation? You want it to be clear and you want it to be able to narrate to both corners to whatever's happening. So mm-hmm. nobody, because what looks bad is when it looks like nobody knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But as soon as that round ends, there is one person who's in control and there's one person who knows what he's doing. And that's Dan Marvetti. Mm-hmm. He's absolutely bang on there. And like that's kind of gets kind of glossed over a little bit, I think, because there's a few other things on the card that happened to other people. And there was there was, like I say, a, a lot of a lot of kind of it was a midweek card and there wasn't a great amount of finishes and a lot of things that maybe people who aren't super invested with watching the sport all the time will will kind of pick up or, or kind of sit through but um i was really impressed with that i wasn't on that fight um i was on the one before i say this a lot i was on the one before on the yeah. one after <laughs> you're dodging a lot of bullets <laughs> I, yeah i really was um but that's another one right we talk about uh, from a, a judging point of view that's mm-hmm. tough because obviously uh uh Michaelidis is uh winning the bulk of that round and then yeah. you've got that kind of moment at the end um it's 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 yeah. another kind if, of uh, if the fight had gone on yeah what, what do you do then like do you look at what happens after round has been damaged i suppose because the action took place before the round ended you do don't you? yeah exactly yeah. exactly but then it's not to say that you can't uh before you uh put your card in uh take a quick assessment of mm-hmm. uh the effect that those strikes have had on the fire do you know what i mean it's yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult, it's a difficult one, and it's a crazy, it's a crazy uh, finish to a, a round. And do you know, from an official, like that's just the stuff that just keeps you up at night. Mm-hmm. Is uh, a fairly straightforward, a fairly straightforward round for four and a half minutes, and then mm-hmm. fifteen seconds of craziness, yeah. and you, and then the whole round finishes, and you're still having to mentally. De- decompress it all you know <laughs> Man, there was one, another thing as well actually just looking through the card here that uh was odd very odd in fact the uh hazmat shimai of john phillips fight it was a 10-7 in that uh, it was fight. yeah that's you don't see that out. and we saw another 10-7 was well we didn't actually did we or did, there was another one? Oh no there was it was a closer 10-7 the benavidez fight it didn't get there but 10 10 7s talk to us a little bit about 10 7s like our 10 7s was something we maybe will expect to see a little bit more I, I i know it's in the criteria and it's pretty clear there as well and for a fight like this obviously it's it's not going to be that common because usually fights that are that dominant get stopped exactly so it's it's good to see that the judges are not afraid to give 10 sevens, isn't it? It's confident judging. Mm-hmm. Like you're aware of the lexicon of scores that you've got and you're aware of the fact that the 10 seven is kind of an option yeah. because you're right. You don't use them very often. I've used one in 2000 fights. Um, uh, the definition of a 10 seven, uh, talks about a fire, uh, completely overwhelms their opponent in effective striking and grappling, uh, uh, and a stoppage is warranted. Um, and they, in the revisions, they're looking at kind of changing that um, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of a stoppage is warranted um, because they think that, uh, or the, 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 that what they want to do is kind of um, uh, make it a bit more kind of inclusive, really. Not that they want to see more 10 sevens because you should sell them. Uh, you should sell them, kind of give that. But um, if you look at that round, um, if you think to yourself, what more could uh, Shimai have done there? Uh, it's hard to think what more he could have done, really. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? He landed, he got the takedown after what three seconds, four yeah. seconds, and he was there till the round finished. And uh, he landed a lot of uh, 
uh, impactful strikes, threatened with a couple of submissions. Um, like it's not something that you'll. Uh, it, it really isn't something that you'll that you'll use kind of. Uh, you'll use very often. Like I say, I haven't. Uh, yeah, I've used one in kind of two thousand. I think Mark actually, Mark Collette, who scored that. Um, I think he might have used two. I think he used one on a Cage Warriors event that we did. I think it was a Saren, when Saren back fought Scott Clist. Uh, that's on Fight Pass. Uh, but yeah, the first round of that. Same thing. Um, you know I mean, just just bell to bell, uh, overwhelming, uh, overwhelming dominance. But yeah, um, it's for me as uh, from that's what you get with Mark Collette, though. I mean, he's been judging at the highest level for a decade. Like he's one of the best and most consistent judges in the world. And that's what you get when you book officials like that. You book uh, officials who are confident enough to uh, understand the full lexicon of scores that they've got and are available and are able to uh, pinpoint in the mind as to when to uh, as to when to use it. I think it was ten seven, ten eight, ten eight, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, good to see. Uh, good to see. Like I say, judging a confident judging like that. Mm-hmm. What do you think is like? There was a lot of criticism. His name was kind of thrown out there, and you know, it's funny when judging names pop up. You know, you see someone like Mark Kled, and like I actually think for most judges and for for most. You know, unless you're doing something maybe like this or something educational, and with and not just judges, but I think officials in all sports, it's kind of maybe a little bit better off to, to kind of stay in the background a little bit in the middle of a fucking podcast. I said that, but, but you know what I mean. And for, for people to like bring up his name and mention his name, it's like, oh, we've never heard this name before. Like that's not necessarily a fucking bad thing, is it, for someone yeah. who's judged that many fights? Well, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. We. Well, I mean. Uh, who knows who judges are really? Who knows like judges' names and stuff? It's only kind of really serious fans of the, really serious fans of the sport and judges themselves. Um, but the the information's there. Like if you if you think to yourself, Mark Collette's uh, done this or or, or isn't a, a good official, then what are you basing that on? Yeah. Because if you're basing it on the fact that you've seen him, you you he's maybe putting a scorecard here that you don't agree with, and it's a high profile fight. Well, that doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. because. If you look at, uh, you go on MMA decisions, he's been working at the highest level since 2011. So this is this kind of 10th year. And like I've judged, I've known Mark for 10 years, judged him for most of those, to be honest. Um, but I've worked with him for Cage Warriors and the UFC since 2013. And uh, it's just, it's she's just one of the best in the world. It's that simple. Like it's just, he's just a consistently, consistently great judge. Who, who uh, has worked? Like I say, done loads of shows with the the UFC. Um, did the um, did a couple of the Ultimate Fighter shows when they used to do those uh, in Brazil and China and uh, Australia. He's been all over the place with them, bless him. Uh, but he's uh, yeah, it, it kind of saddens me a little bit because I just think to myself like uh, like the guy's put in a decade of work in the seat. That's just uh, that's really really consistent and at the highest level as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then. Like I say, maybe there's a bit of noise about one decision that people... That isn't a bad... That's the other thing. It's not even a bad decision. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not a bad decision at all. And that's that, that's the problem. Like, uh, like I spoke to him after that. Um, and he won't mind me saying this, but we I spoke to him after the midweek card. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went and got a cup of tea after the event. And we were chatting a bit. And I goes, how'd you find it? He went, yeah, not bad, not bad. He goes, I just uh, went in there and just kind of... Uh, it just felt like normal. I just judged kind of like normal and... And uh, he goes, uh, everyone thought I was an idiot and now everybody thinks I'm all right. I was like, that's judging me. Yeah. That's 100%. Yeah. Like your, your mental kind of uh, process doesn't kind of change. And mm-hmm. you can put in five cards that people agree with and you can put in five cards that people disagree with. And for you, all 10 of those cards can be the right cards for the evening. Yeah. 
That's but very true. some nights you're the uh, hero and some nights you're the villain. Or, yeah. oh, no, it's not even that. It's like some nights you're the villain, some nights you're, no one's you're asked. Never the hero. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's the thing, isn't it? I don't know why I said hero. Yeah, yeah. that was incorrect. Yeah. yeah so, some, sometimes you're the villain, sometimes nobody cares. Nobody cares. But that's, that's what you're open for. You're open for nobody no cares, cares about yeah. anything you do. You have to search your name on you on uh, Twitter that night. Nobody mentions it. Yeah, <laughs> no. Fact. It's funny, mate. Like, there's another uh, there's another Ben Cartledge on Twitter, and he's a classics professor from Liverpool who plays the flute. He tweets loads, mate. So like... <laughs> he should start tweeting scores of MMA fights. Mate, on a funny, funniest thing with him, right? Like, I, f- I started following him on Twitter, right? And he yeah. tweeted me saying, oh, that was something. Like, he put the thing and it said, like, Ben Cartledge follows you. And obviously that's his name as well. And uh, he uh, he said, uh, he put something up on Twitter ages ago and he said, uh, they were talking about funniest things that have happened when you've left a job. And uh, he goes, I left a job as a professor of something at some university. And my boss got up and said, a lot of you might not know about our band's uh, uh, other job, judging mixed martial arts fights. <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, excuse me. I know. I was like, <laughs> kill me off that did. But yeah, uh, other other Ben Cartledge on Twitter is a uh, is a lovely gentleman. Yeah, man, didn't didn't a card here looking at the Figueroa Benavides card? It's another card which I don't see a split decision on it. They're all unanimous. There's one majority decision, but uh, that Figueroa Benavides fight, right? It didn't. There wasn't a round had to be judged. There it was close. To, uh, obviously, there was only twelve seconds left, but it was close. But it was one of those rounds where after it, I put out like a little video, and I was talking to you a little bit about it in private about uh maybe not necessarily this fight but fights in general with uh, effective striking and effective grappling in this fight in this round uh, the the that almost went to full round there was a lot of chokes that were almost finished benavidez did a great job of uh of um defending them and there was also uh, a lot of strikes as well you were saying to me and maybe explain a little bit further that um, effective striking and effective grappling are written alongside each other in the criteria, aren't they? And they're scored the same. We always talk about, you know, this is, uh, judges don't score uh, grappling. Judges don't, you know, or some people say judges score wrestling or grappling more than they score striking. For you, when you're looking at, say, a round like that with a lot of effective striking, a lot of effective grappling, um, and maybe even another round which is like effective grappling versus maybe effective striking, how do you score them against each other? We're looking at... Um it always talks about immediate weighing more heavily than a uh, cumulative um in in both really in effective striking and uh, effective grappling um you're really looking at um the result of those actions and the, the not necessarily the closest the closest that a person's got to finish in a fight because maybe neither of them are, but you want to talk about the most significant actions kind of in that if like you said for example one guy has won the striking and one guy has won the grappling well who and achieve the most of what they've done is somebody nearly finished somebody with it has somebody nearly been submitted or has somebody been in a tight choke or has somebody been rocked with a punch or something like that we're looking at um uh for, for striking we're looking at legal blows obviously they've got um with the potential to contribute towards the end of the match here uh, with and like we say all the time with immediate way more heavily heavy than uh, the cumulative mm-hmm. uh and in grappling obviously we are we're looking at uh, execution of takedowns etc but we're only looking at the results of those in terms of we want to see uh submission attempts uh and like i say near fight finishing uh, scenarios really so mm-hmm. from a from a judge's point of view there you have to look at what you think is the most and it says effective striking stroke grappling the key word there is effective which one of those disciplines if one guy is one at one and one is one at the other was the most effective in getting towards uh and and the 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 impact that the other fighter felt um and that's the uh 
the kind of top and bottom of it. And once again, that's the uh, well, that's the riddler judging, isn't it? Really, mm-hmm. or doing all that in uh, <laughs> doing all that in real time. Mm-hmm. And you always say as well, judging is a verb. You know, you're sent there, you're sent there to judge what, what was better. Which you know, as I always say, if close fight's a close fight. You, I punch you once in the face, you punch me once in the face. Who punched uh, the other person harder? You know, that's that's the riddle of judging as well. Sometimes, and it's mm. very close, and it's very. I hate I hate using the word subjective with judging, but. You know, in in this scenario, it is. I think overall, it's not that subjective in in terms of the criteria and stuff. But I think that's your, a, your view of it can be though, because yeah. it depends where you're sitting as well. Yeah. That, what what about that? That was another topic I wanted to bring up. Like, it's is that an issue as well with judging where people are sitting? I know that a lot of people have talked about putting in sitting in pods backstage and stuff. And then you, uh, for me, and I know you've said it in the previous podcast we've done, sitting cage height is very important to see and hear 100%. and feel the impact. What do you think, is there anything that can be done or do you see that as an issue with judging? Just where you're sitting, say if you're sitting at the other side of the cage and there's a big elbow landed and you don't see it, is that an issue with judging, you think? I mean, obviously you've got, the the, the 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 big reason why there's kind of three of us there all in separate positions like that you you accept the fact that everybody isn't going to have the best view of everything uh, because it's just uh, and obviously you've got the cage in the way and there's posts and there's a lot of things uh, there's a lot of kind of things going on but I mean uh, you have also got uh, at the the larger shows uh, you have also got the monitors as well um, mm-hmm. uh, which are really good um, so and you can kind of move a little bit kind of out of your seat like you can kind of lean a little bit this the uh at the ufc the seats are quite like uh, quite sturdy um they're kind of like uh, like um those kind of like bar stools that you get really mm-hmm. like um so you can kind of move a little bit kind of on them but the the, the base of them is really weighted so you're not going to like uh, i'm not going to lead sideways to see if someone's in an arm bar or not and then go crashing through the commission table <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh but there's a lot of things that you can kind of do to him to maximize how much you can actually see um uh, but but i think that there's always going to be that um uh like i I, the, I generally sit in the same seat because of uh my the way my surname starts with a c so it's done alphabetically uh but we had a judge on this event um uh lucas basaski who's obviously from uh, poland and worked for the ufc quite a bit uh, so whenever i worked on a fight with him i was on the second judging seat which is a bit around the corner mm-hmm. um so it's it, it's different and it's a different uh a different perspective um and uh it's kind of good to it's good to kind of mix it up a little bit like that yeah, i'm generally in this in the same kind of spot but uh you just kind of get better at um i don't know kind of little shorthand kind of ways of, of getting a better view at stuff you get better at recognizing you get better at recognizing quickly as well when you need to look in a different way so if you if you identify that a fight's coming in a certain direction you can almost prompt looking down at the monitor if you know that they're going to be pushed up in an area where you're not going to be able to see properly yeah what did you think uh i saw luke thomas had an idea in the last couple of weeks that big title fights main event title fights that go to a very close decision maybe even a split decision that they can be looked at again that judges can have a look at them and i'd even maybe further if i was having that idea and i'm not i wouldn't be advocating that idea totally but even the judges who judge themselves would go back and look at it because they're the ones who saw the action cage side who felt you know the the strikes up close and who saw the strikes and the impact up close and the submissions and everything like that what do you think about an idea like that it's interesting um i think there's a couple of problems with it in terms of um like it depends what kind of time scale are you going to do that in mm-hmm. like how is it going to be straight after uh, at which point you're probably still going to have a degree of recency bias to what you've done is it going to be a long time after and then 
is your mind going to mentally kind of fill gaps in that aren't there? Mm-hmm. You know, like it's there's a um, also as well like you're um, you're asking people to put themselves in a position where um, they have to kind of critique their own work very publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean, we're all judging's kind of transparent, but I mean, uh, it's 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 a difficult position to put a judge in. I think um, myself personally. I mean, I've been. Um, I've uh, been employed by different um, uh, athletic commissions from different places uh, on reviewing fights, for example. So after a fight's uh, finished, if a, a certain people, a team's held like a protest, um, I've been asked to review f- fights for certain uh, for certain organisations, uh, and that has to be done really kind of like surgically, as you might imagine. Yeah. Like I have to take, you have to take yourself completely out of it because you wouldn't have been there, mm-hmm. um, but you have to watch it. And it's a different, it's a different kind of frame of mind somehow, like mm-hmm. judging after the fact then it, it's hard to explain. But I mean, when you're kind of sitting there kind of judging, it's, you're so much more kind of heightened yeah. by the whole, by the whole thing. Um, it's, it, you react to things a bit differently. Whereas when you're watching something back and you know that maybe you can stop it at any point or rewind it at any point, it's, it's a different kind of thing. And you're more likely also as well. I mean, I don't know. You Are you more likely to overanalyze stuff? Like I like, I, I, like I say, and I, I've done it myself. Like I've been in, been, I think it was, it was a show over in, in Cyprus quite randomly. I got asked to, uh, uh, me and a couple of, somebody asked me, could I get some judges and could we review a fight? So mm-hmm. we did that and, it was quite a good exercise, and um, for a, for a, uh, a protest that a, a thing he had bought in, and um, and we got it kind of sorted out, and it was it was a, it was a good experience and a good kind of technical kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I never, it never felt like it's weird. It didn't feel like judging in a funny yeah. kind of way. It's hard to explain. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think a couple of things are like we sometimes forget that MMA is a sport as well, you know. And if Man United play Liverpool and it's two one to Man United, you know. No matter how they protest, you can't go back and change it again. Like, you know, and I think maybe that's a, a little bit unfair as well. But like, that's it's just sport, and we have to live with the realities of sport as well. Sometimes another thing is that I want to ask you, right? Because we're coming up to the, the the final card here, and we will talk about the the top couple of fights in a second. But we had that Francisco Trinaldo Jai Herbert fight, and obviously probably the biggest criticism of officials, and that was Herb Dean with that. But I looked at that, and I look, I criticized Herb Dean myself, and everything everything we're talking about here, maybe possible changes or possible adjustments are known who are the best in the world and you know what maybe look if someone makes a mistake what sanctions should be taken and stuff like that i think a big issue like that is and maybe you know it'll help everyone is to have like a worldwide commission and the fact that we don't have that like kind of i think takes away from um the organization worldwide like because i know for even for people like you and other people maybe you have to kind of learn it yourself and i know you've had great help with the likes of mark goddard and doing shows now in america and all over the world and stuff it, it has helped but do you think like if we had a worldwide commission that everything would improve and we could also if there was mistakes people could take action they could get further training and everything like that and things could improve. like do you think that holds mma officiating back a little bit that we don't have that um, I think at the highest level, like working with the uh, working with the UFC or, or Bellator, that they, they their uh, review methods and review methodology and uh, continuous professional development are so strict and stringent um, that that it's it's a really kind of positive uh, atmosphere and environment round round there in terms of. Um, if you're a, an official, um, you will be required to justify decisions that you've kind of uh, that you've kind of made, and it does get kind of reviewed, and it does get 
um, like kind of looked at like that. Um, it's in America, you see, obviously, with the athletic commission system, obviously, it's a lot different out there and, and th- there's a lot more kind of legislation and, and procedure and stuff. But when the UFC uh, go to areas where there isn't uh, an athletic commission and they kind of self-regulate, um, they obviously process and, and have their kind of protocol kind of there. Um, admittedly, I, I get what you're saying in terms of kind of maybe should it be public? Should there be something like worldwide to to, to, to regulate stuff like that? Then maybe they should. But I mean... Uh, uh, as, as it kind of stands at the moment, if I work a, an event for, uh, if I judge a fight like for a, 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 any show really, I'm I'm prepared to be able to justify that card to whoever, mm-hmm. to uh, if maybe um, the uh, there's a, a regulator within that organization or maybe it's somebody external, if it's an athletic commission, like we're, all of us are officials, as officials are ready to do that, ready to say why, you stopped it there or why it's a, a 10-9 sorry dog's gone a bit mental <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't why, like that score then. <laughs> no it doesn't does he bless him why it's, why it's maybe a 10-9 or a 10-8 or something like that yeah so I mean uh, it's a yeah it's it's a, it's kind of an interesting one one that changes your respect like depending on where you are in the world really so like uh, as we get the the dogs <laughs> the dogs have been chewed well, do you think that's something that maybe not the judges should do publicly but do you think that that's something the commission should do publicly? Like, if there's a very close decision, that they should maybe release something and say, "This is why the judge scored it this way." Or this why uh, not just why the judge scored it this way. This round could have gone, you know, for Max Holloway because he did this, this, and this. But it was a close round. This Alexander Volkanovsky had this amount of, uh, you know, effective striking or effective grappling or whatever it is. We're okay with a ten nine either way, and maybe. You know, do it for a round. We're not. This was a bad score. This shouldn't have been scored ten nine this way. And you know, release that after every event. Do you think like, and maybe maybe that wouldn't work. But do you think? I know you say, and and we've spoken about it before. And you are held accountable, kind of behind closed doors and with the commissions and with the the people in, uh, you know, around the world in, in different organizations. But do you think publicly there should be more of officials should be like because for judges maybe it's a little bit different. I think referees we can see it it's very evident when a referee kind of makes a mistake or there's a big you know um a big uh a big talking point in the middle of a fight because we see the fighter kind of getting knocked out or getting choked out or like mark goddard unfortunately getting fucking attacked you know the other day but for judges do you think it's it could be more transparent in that way um i think the, the problem then is like what what fights would you do it on and why like, do you know what I mean? Like, would you do it on? Like, you'd have to, there'd have to be a, a kind of a, a, a protocol. Like, um, I know that um, I've got a few friends who uh, live and work out in uh, Sweden. And obviously, I've worked out there a few times myself. And I remember reading about, um, obviously, fighters can uh, uh, protest results. I mean, you find that with a lot of athletic commissions. There is an official procedure if you don't think of uh, uh, a uh, result is right then obviously from a fighter's point of view, you can protest that result and then it gets uh, uh, reviewed. And and with a lot of these athletic commissions, what you'll find is that these are, um, the findings of these are made public. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we all remember, obviously, uh, there's the, the, over the years, the number of athletic commission kind of meetings that have been streamed live over the internet that we've all been able to sit and see. And it's good that there's that transparency kind of there. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is a, an issue... Um, where where a certain teams think that uh, they're unhappy with a procedure or protocol, then as long as there is a 
uh, a way for them to protest that or a way for them to voice their concerns and, a, and an official policy regarding that. I don't see there's any problem with that information being kind of public um, mm. because I think that it, it makes it, you, you're right, like it almost does make it look, um, if you give somebody the right to protest and then you say, here's why uh, we haven't upheld yours, but don't tell anybody. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. <laughs> it kind of looks a bit, uh, but I understand also there's there's procedures and protocols kind of regarding that. But uh, like I've seen quite a few different uh, documents, for example, from different athletic commissions where uh, uh, maybe protests or, or certain kind of things have gone through and that information has been kind of made public. So, like I say, from from a, a, a judging point of view, I don't think, like you say, I don't think it changes kind of too much. I think you still go in there and put put your kind of scores in, and then you're, you're always prepared to mm-hmm. kind of back that up and, and explain why you went a certain way, um, irrespective of whether it's going to be in front of the people who've just finished the event, or you're going to write something up and then it's going to get sent out to a team, or maybe it's going to be on a hearing that's going to be public. All right, so uh, co- last couple of things here before I let you go on. Jesus, like fucking three hours here doing this podcast there was a couple of close fights obviously on the last one and that's you know one of them, the closest fights of the week i suppose was darren till against robert whitaker in the main event of the, the yeah. last garden fight line this was this was one of those fights where there wasn't that much thrown there wasn't that much landed there was a couple of immediately impactful fights early and i think just looking at the scores here i think all three judges had the first three rounds all the same which yeah. was pretty good because there were th- uh, three close rounds. But then the fourth, I, I think, was it the Holloway uh, Volkanovski fourth round as well? That was I said at the time it was one of the closest four rounds you could get. Yeah. And I think this was one another one that was one of the closest Very four close, rounds again. Yeah. And the fifth round was a debatable round. But we'll leave the fifth round for a second. What what about those first four rounds? Maybe the fight overall. Were, were you happy with how that one kind of uh, ended up? I know it was an unanimous decision as well, which I suppose is good, is good judging a very close fight. Yeah, exactly. Um, the funny thing was like. Um, when uh, the scores were read out and it was unanimous, and I was like, okay, like, I was like, fair enough. And then it wasn't till uh, I went, we were all, me and uh, Anders and Clemens were walking back. We were all like, uh, I just assumed that everybody had the rounds the same. Mm-hmm. And then Anders was like, oh, fourth is really close. And we're like, and we're, me and Clemens were like, yeah. And he said, yeah. I thought Whitaker connected. And I was like, oh, did you go? So, so you went. Uh, Whitaker four till five and he was like oh yeah didn't you and we were like no 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 we went till four Whitaker five and we were both like god oh my these close rounds do you know what I mean like mm-hmm. and that's the uh, that that's that's the thing with it like it's it's a uh, when you're talking about around like the fourth for example um which is incredibly uh incredibly nip and tuck um uh it's uh, your view of it and that's once again why we're all sat around in different kind of positions and we've got different views of what we're kind of doing your view of uh exchanges is magnified massively in terms of how important it is because uh there's generally in, in fights like this it's one or two exchanges that are separating people on rounds yeah you know so like um like around like the first for example where you've got till with that knockdown with that elbow or around like the second where you've got Whitaker with a knockdown with the overhand into the uh, and he got a bit of top control didn't he and landed a bit of ground and pound yeah. stuff like that if the rest of the round is, as most of the rounds were in that fight, nip and tuck exchanges. If you've got one big moment like that, a concussive strike that leads to a knockdown, um, you'll find that uh, that it's easier to make a case kind of a the, kind of that way. Um, that then that's the way that the the, the criteria is written. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you approach uh, 
I mean, we all had um, Whitaker uh, three, um, but mm. even that felt close. Well, but then it's a, uh, do you know what I mean? It's it's a high profile main event, and it, I, I tell you why it felt close. And I think you might have tweeted something out about this. Like mm. it's it was a fight of kind of high impact yeah. like moments, mm -hmm. which were very spaced out. So like you'd have maybe. 20, 30 seconds of, of feints or, or a leg kick or something like that. And then all of a sudden you'd have a, a, a massive concussive strike that landed and was, you were kind of on the edge of your seat a little bit, really like waiting for, you're taking kind of the whole round in and you're aware, but it's one of those things where I was expecting any exchange to end in somebody getting dropped mm -hmm. um, because you've just got two concussive like a, like a dynamic strikers haven't you that's yeah. kind of what they that's kind of what they both do so um it kind of felt really close and really tense as a year as a kind of result of that but think, uh but i think comparing this fight right to the uh to the volkanovsky holloway fight is is a great example of how judges can never win because people were saying holloway was robbed in that fight because he won like the fight overall you know he he had the better in the first two rounds he caused a lot more damage and it was the next three were very close in this one I think you could argue that Whitaker won the fight overall. You know, Till had a few big moments. He had that big elbow in the, the first round, the big elbow in the last round. But overall, you know, the, the, if you're judging as a whole fight, which we won't get into, uh, <laughs> Robert Whitaker probably had the better of it. But people still got mad that Till didn't win this, and they still got mad that uh, Holloway didn't win the other way around. And I think that's very interesting. Like, you can actually never <laughs> never win. Because, no, of course uh, you can't. You know, I told you, you're either, you're either the villain or no one's asked. Yeah. That's that. Okay, yeah. We should get that on a t-shirt or something. <laughs> we should, we should. Come here to me. This fifth round, though, I was very interested in this round because I was with you. I scored the, the first four rounds the exact same way you scored yeah. it. And then we had the, the fifth round, which I think everyone would probably agree that Whitaker was winning until, when was it, maybe uh, 80 seconds left in, yeah, the, in the final round. And then there was that big elbow. Talk to me about that big elbow and why that immediately impactful elbow, for me, didn't win, didn't do enough to win the round for Darren Till for you. Um, I think that round's very close. Um, but I think what you've got to look at is the fact that how how... Uh, impactful and how damaging is that strike? Well, there's an obvious like visual barometer of how damaging that strike is. But in terms of um, uh, Whitaker himself, like maybe going backwards or being kind of uh, impacted as a result of it, and also what you've got to look at is how close was the fight kind of before that? And that's the thing. If right. I, if I see a shot that lands like that, mm -hmm. immediately I think to myself, that's a good shot. But how far is it put him ahead if he was behind, or has it closed the distance? You've got to think of it as like. It's kind of like a bit of a, a bit of a kind of seesaw, really. Mm -hmm. Like you've got to think like how how does that balance up on what's kind of already happened? The thing with something with a, a strike like that is that um, it's not dissimilar to the shot that a uh, uh, Till threw in the first round. Yeah. Um, if Till was able to maybe drop him with that shot and then land a lot of shots on as he did in the first round, mm -hmm. I think we're talking a different round there. Um, mm. But I think the thing for me is I think Whitaker landed a lot of stuff, landed a lot of leg kicks. He landed, there's about, about 20 seconds in or 30 seconds in, he lands a nice uh, uh, two-punch combination. He goes to the body and then he comes up with a with a hook to the head that, uh, that Till kind of shakes off. And there's a lot of back and forth kind of action. Um, but it is, it is one thing that uh, that I think gets kind of, not over, over kind of, overlooked or one thing that, that people kind of made a misconception so to speak i saw a lot of people afterwards saying oh well uh it was the takedowns that won it then mm -hmm. and i remember thinking to myself like you you don't understand 
like uh, the concept of kind of this. But if you look at the like, if you look at that whole kind of round, mm-hmm. if you look at the fact that uh, Whitaker's landed a lot of stuff, Till's landed some stuff. If you look at the fact that Till gains momentum from landing that uh, landing that elbow, mm-hmm. um, and you can see after that happens, he's aware of the fact that this is kind of his moment. You could tell he's going to kind of push forward, and he does kind of he does kind of come forward. Yeah. Um, but but the thing with that is, if you look at the the last 30, 40 seconds of the clock. Mm-hmm. Are eaten up by those takedowns. Now, are you looking at those takedowns as a, an offensive kind of score in action? No, because he's able to take the fire down, but he doesn't land any damage as a result of it. I think the second takedown is a nice trip, and he does uh, till lands. He lands quite hard, but he's he's kind of straight back up. But while he's in that situation, what he can't do is attack. Is it more that he only kind of thing- takes away Till's ability to land effective damage rather than landing some of his own or effective grappling? Exactly. That is exactly the point. Mm-hmm. So it's not the fact that uh, people say, oh, well, well did, did it win him? Well, f- for me, where, where I'm sitting, for, for, for me, that maybe it did because it didn't put him any further ahead, but it protected the lead that he already had. That makes sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's the thing that people don't uh, that, that people kind of don't get. Um, because people like talk that, like I see a load of people saying that, uh, Oh, it was the, the takedowns that 100% won it as if Whitaker hadn't landed anything kind of the rest of the round. And mm. there's a lot of there's a lot of good exchanges in that. And, and both guys land good shots. And here's the thing. I can 100% see um, uh, Till. Whitaker winning the fourth. I can 100% yeah. see uh, Till winning the fifth. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're, they're close rounds. Mm-hmm. They're close rounds are close rounds. But what I can't see for those, uh, for, for four and five, I can't really uh, see anybody saying somebody definitely like a hundred percent he won that round and there's no like for example the second you can't say that realistically well you could say it but you'd be wrong you can't say that Till won that second round yeah there's no there's no case mm-hmm. for that there's a case for both guys winning the fourth and there's a case for both guys winning the fifth yeah. and when you look at the fact that it was two one on all the cards going into the fourth and fifth that's why you're gonna get close fights rounds that appear on different on different cards you got to think as i said we've said the whole night like i'm i'm at one i'm at like six o'clock clemens is at three o'clock do you know what i mean anders yeah. is at eight o'clock we're all we're all That's we're all the three kind of, judges too isn't exactly there? exactly we're all at kind of different points do you know what i mean like I, uh, that's the the kind of the whole point of it. But the thing about the takedowns is 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 very important for, mm. for for people to kind of get. It's like it's the fact that people think that because he took him down, that's why maybe judges gave him that round. Mm-hmm. But for us, realistically, there wasn't any damage established from that takedown. It's a change of position. But what it did do, as you said there, you summed up quite nicely, is it stops the effective offense of the other fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Whitaker lands a knee as well, does he, on the break there? Or just, just inside on the clinch as well? It's nothing major, but it, it, like he keeps him, do you know what I mean? It keeps the, the momentum kind of kind of, yeah. kind of of his way. And uh, it's it's a, do you know what? It was a, a great way to finish a, a phenomenal uh, couple of weeks. It was wow. really... It was amazing to get that kind of opportunity, and like I, I did, uh, what did I, I, I try to work out the other day. I think I judged twenty. I think I judged twenty-four fights. I think, and mm-hmm. it was only in two weeks as well. That's the other crazy thing. So there's a card on the Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, and then the Saturday after. So it's not a massive. Uh, it's not a massive amount of time. Um, but the opportunity to do something like that is something that, uh, yeah, I'll never really uh, 
I'll never kind of really forget that. And to finish off with a to finish off with a a technical fight like that that's, that came back uh, unanimous, uh, I was really kind of it put a cap on the whole thing for me quite nicely. That's, that's another just quickly, just one or two things. You know, listen to Lucas. I'll talk about technical fights. You know, he he said he watched that uh, Volkanovski fight like eighty nine times or whatever. It was. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I saw him say he'd watched it forty eight times, and that would that itself would have taken about twenty hours, and yeah. this was only about a day and a half after the event. Yeah. I'm not that on it, but I mean that he's he's, he's incredibly dedicated. Bless him. Yeah, he is. God Almighty, you just start going blind if you watch it. Yeah, like, maybe he's got nothing else to do. For for judging, I think that makes closer fights, so it obviously makes judging a little bit harder. But then judging get a little bit better, so I think it evens itself out. But like from your point of view, and I know we talked about this on the podcast before, maybe it's a good time to just go over it for a, a, a second again. Like you're not looking at when I watch a fight right I all at the one time I'm trying to judge us badly and I'm trying to look at the technique so I can talk about it on the podcast and the, you know what happened or who was wrong or did the referee make a mistake or you know should this guy have done something else for you you're just looking at the strikes landed aren't you you're just looking at the 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 submissions you're looking at the takedowns you're looking at everything that's happening in the fight not all of this all together not the technique of the fight more exactly. importantly i'd say because that's something you can get really uh, held up in so for judges does it really matter that fights are getting more technical no this is it into it's like um it's like marking an essay mate do you know what i mean generally i've got a set of criteria and i need to be able to check off what i'm seeing do you know what i mean i don't i'm not gonna say i like i'm not the uh, like, for example, if you put it from an academic point of view, if you imagine you're marking a, you're marking an essay, like um, generally, like the handwriting doesn't really matter, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Like it might make certain things easier to kind of pick out, but if, yeah. if nowhere on my sheet does it give me a reference point to what I need to do regarding handwriting, then mm-hmm. I'll leave it alone. I don't care if your writing's dead tidy or dead untidy. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to check off the stuff that I've got on my sheet that it says that you need to be able to do mm-hmm. to get a certain grade, and that is exactly what judging is. Like I've got, I've got a list of things that I'm looking for that you need to do in order to get a certain score. Mm-hmm. And as long as fighters uh, kind of do this, and as long as people read the criteria and, and are aware of this, then we have far less problems. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I came up with a great analogy yesterday for, uh, and I haven't told anyone. You, I, I'm going to throw it at you here. What you think? Um, for for judging criteria, right? So it's like the Premier League table, right? Judging criteria. Let's say Liverpool and Man City both finish on ninety points, right? So that first criteria is the same. The effective striking and the fair for grappling is exactly the same. If one finishes on 91 points there, they win. If the other guy finishes on 90, you know, the one who finished on 91 win. But if they both finished on 90, then what do we go to? We go to the goal difference. And that would be be the effective effective aggression. And if the goal difference is the same, then we go to the goal scored, which would be the effective, uh, uh, what's it called? Fine area control, control, my friend. There you go. Isn't that a perfect analogy? Brilliant. Brilliant. That's the most I can't fault you for that. That's the most like, genius that's... thing I've ever come up with. Yeah, it is, yeah. You can have that by some, one. By some considerable distance. No, you keep it, mate. But <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, that that that's kind of decent. Like yeah, um, makes sense, it makes sense like no, it does make it does make a lot of sense when you're trying to explain it to you're trying to explain it to somebody like that. Um, no, I've never even thought about it like that, but that's really good. Go. And that's what people, yeah. I think, more people would get judging if you explained it in those terms. Mm-hmm. I, might, I might throw the video on that, but it'll, I'll probably fuck it up anyway. But here, last thing here before we uh, finish. Now, thank you very much. Go on. You, there was a, the first ever unanimous draw in UFC history last weekend without a without a, a point, point deduction. deduction. What do you think of that? Why, that's great. Why, why was there never one before? 
It's great judging. Um, I think the thing is now is that since the revisions, you've got more clearer definitions yeah. of uh, people say more. I say, big bug bear in mind. People say more liberal tenets. It mm -hmm. doesn't say that anywhere. Yeah. All it says is that they're more clearly defined. Mm -hmm. So judges are more aware. And it's not to say that um, the, the fantastic work that the athletic commissions and the ABC have done has, has, has helped with this because it's made people it's educated a lot more people as to what kind of they're looking for with these criteria revisions. Um, but previously, um, it was a lot harder to get 10-8 rounds. Um, and now, because the criteria is a lot clearer, because 10-8s are well, a lot better explained, and because you've got a better, uh, almost uh, kind of a criteria within a criteria for a 10-8 of, uh, of the 3Ds, you've got a more, um, uh, you've got a, a more kind of a, open and accessible path for people to to use the the wider lex kind of scores so when you throw that out there um you're gonna uh, you're gonna open uh, kind of more doors that way to more tenets and the one thing with more tenets is it does open the uh, open the door to there being more uh, there being more draws um because obviously the um because now the criteria is so um uh well defined mm -hmm. um it's not like um the ten tens are kind of discouraged but by the sheer amount of things that you have to be able to score around a certain way, it becomes increasingly more rare. Yeah. Uh, I think, I don't know if it was you or somebody else I might have listened to said, um, uh, realistically for a 10-10 a, a now, um, it's going to have to be a round where nothing really happens. Mm -hmm. Because the second anything happens, you've immediately got a barometer. Yeah. Even if somebody lands kind of one strike or, or anything like, like that. Like the Adesanya-Romero like fight where nothing exactly. happened and then there was one strike and Romero won the round. Exactly. Mm -hmm. exactly. That's, a great, that's a great example. Um, and I heard a few people saying that should be 10-10. It's like, no, it shouldn't. Not at all. Like, one strike, that was enough. They were meant exactly. to win by one point, they win. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's the that's the kind of, uh, yeah, that's the the thing with it really. Like, um, But for to get like a unanimous, uh, to get a, a unanimous draw like that um, with a, uh, I can't think I've ever, I can't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'll have to go through my MMA decisions page, but I can't think of too many. I can't think I've had too many draws full stop, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think I've, uh, I might have had a split draw, I think at one point. Um, Didn't you have two I've, draws there in the space of like a week at one stage? Or am I gone mad last year? Um, was, it two, was it a certain back? No, I had. I tell you what, I had. I had yeah. two, I want to say I had two five rounders. Oh, yeah. Um, back Sharia. I'm just looking at it here. Uh, that was forty-seven, forty-seven. You had a draw. Yeah, and did I have? Uh, oh, who was that? Oh, um, um, Booland Tate was another draw around there. Uh, there was another one though. Oh yeah, here we go. Uh, Rafael Lovato Jr. versus Gegard Mousasi. There you 47, go. Yeah, Gegard. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was the first. Um, yeah, that was the first world title I did for uh, for Bellator. Yeah, yeah, that was. That's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty mad. Mm -hmm. um, looking, looking kind of back at that. Um, five rounders as well. Yeah. Uh, which is which is even rarer, really, when you think about how many different uh, um, permutations you've got to kind of uh, permutations you've got to kind of do that. But yeah, it's a it's a strange one, really, with where, when you look at um, when you look at uh, the, the the kind of draws like that, because you're gonna get uh, there's never been that many ten tens anyway, because the criteria is as it is now. The chance of you getting a, a ten ten is is uh, less, obviously. Mm -hmm. So as a result of that. Um, you're going to, uh, there's less of a chance for, for there being draws. Mm -hmm. But because there's more chance of 10 8s, there's now more of a chance. Um, so so it happens kind of kind of the other way. But yeah, I was, um, I was well impressed for that. I thought, I, th I uh, 
as soon as it, as soon as the MMA, MMA decisions tweeted out, I was like, wow, that's, that's a crazy bit of a, that's a crazy bit of judging, a, a crazy bit of judging kind of a nuance, really. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's good. Um, it's good judging, isn't it? When you think about that conversation we had earlier about the Roman Bogatov fight and how many moving parts there are, yeah. um, you know what I mean, to get a certain score. Um, to think that all three of them uh, have all done all three rounds exactly the same with a 10-8, with kind of a, uh, a few other bits and pieces. Because I remember in that fight was the third, um, it was the first was the 10-8, wasn't it? And then the th- yeah. I remember the the uh, the third round, um, uh, the guy who lost the first, obviously won two and three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember that round being quite decisive and quite there was quite a lot of damage in that as well. So you've got, may- I mean, that, that didn't watch it to score it, but I mean, maybe if you, is there a case for a 10-8 in the third as well? Like, um, do you know what I mean? Not to think that it should be, but if you're talking about moving parts and stuff that, yeah. that could potentially influence how hard it is to to kind of do something like that. It is uh, it is kind of crazy, but yeah, it just shows that judges, judging itself is evolving all the time, you know? Like, um, These we're all kind of... At, <laughs> yeah, this is it. These boxing judges coming in from... Uh, Coming from the WBF, <laughs> terrible. So the, uh, I mentioned the podcast, but like I've said last thing about four times now. But like none, none of the judges on Fight Island have judged boxing at any high level. Haven't not high level, like, no. Well, not, I'm not. Well, here's the thing: like they're not. The when you hear people say boxing judges, what it means basically is people who uh, have judged boxing for a long time and then come over to mixed martial arts without any knowledge of how to judge it. Like I wouldn't have a problem with. Uh, like if you, if somebody had judged boxing for like ten years mm-hmm. and then they trained a load of MMA, yeah. um, I wouldn't have a problem. Or trained a load of jiu-jitsu or watched a load of MMA and trained a load of MMA and then got into it. Mm-hmm. You've got to think that they've already got the mental procedures in the head yeah. as to how to judge fights anyway. Yeah. So when they learn a new set of skills and a new criteria, there's probably no better base really. Mm-hmm. Realistically, they already know how to judge fights. You just have to reprogram to what they're kind of looking for and educate them on the new criteria. I think that the older uh, Ye old cliche is just like you say, people who've just done uh, twenty years of boxing and then randomly show up at mixed martial arts events, mm-hmm. which and obviously um, in in uh, across Europe, which just doesn't happen, does it? Oh, we've found I mean, them in did... the media too. Don't worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't happen at all. If we had, like I say, we had a great um, there's a great bunch of officials across Europe, and mm-hmm. I was really pleased with the official and like to be a part of that team and, and like, um, and violin in general was something that, uh, I'll always look back on really kind of fondly. It was a, a crazy set of, a, a crazy set of circumstances in a crazy time, really. Like we'll, yeah. we'll always look back at 2020 and remember all the, all the stuff that's, that's kind of happened. But I mean, the, I'll, I'll, I'll literally did never forget like, uh, being away for three weeks and being holed up in a room and then judging fights in the, the middle of the night and, do you know what I mean? And being with like a, a little really great bunch of people and seeing, seeing kind of world-class stuff. And yeah, it, it's, it really is something I'll, uh, I'm eternally grateful that the UFC gave me that opportunity. And it's just, they're a great team. Do you know what I mean? They're a great bunch of people and and they, they kind of something that, that you can't state really how hard it, it would be to kind of do all this properly yeah. with all the, the protocol and the testing and the safety and for it to go as well as it did and to, for the, for, everything to go as smoothly as it did is just testament to they're just the best in the world at what they do really yeah and then, you, then you get to come home and talk to the judging god himself <laughs> oh that's it i mean that's that's you know, like i said i've been home a week now like it's just uh and who knows uh who knows where i'll end up judging next or what i'll end yeah. up doing next but yeah if, if uh 
Yeah, the funny thing is, I don't. Yeah, they are, but I, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I'm, I'm still in the middle of sorting a few things out, and it's. Uh, yeah. I, I don't. I'm not saying in a million years that this is. I'm not done with judging. Like, mm-hmm. I've got a lot more kind of left to do. However, right, if this was the last, uh, the last thing that I ever did judging wise, I would not be unhappy with uh, the kind of adventure and finishing with uh, with something like that. But it, but it isn't. I mean, I've got a lot more stuff I want to do still with judging. But this will be one that I'll. Uh, yeah, I'll remember this for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we did this. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. I really think things like this really help. And uh, Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. If, if people want more, want any questions, you can feel free to send me questions or send, send Ben questions as well. And he'll, he'll send you yeah. back <laughs> Ben Cartledge 80, not Ben yeah. J. Cartledge. That's the other Ben Cartledge. <laughs> yeah. They're actually, Sean Sheehan on Twitter as well is actually friends with John Jones, you know, the the, the gamer John Jones guy. I mean, I what are the chances? Like, what are the chances of that? It's brilliant. Well, have you not, have you not been in touch with it? The, the other show and cheering about about the, the that domain I have but I, I yeah I, I said it to him I DM'd him and uh, he I he I got no answer back but it's too late oh. now I have the blue tick I would get rid of that That's it, yeah. if I got the the Shanti and so it's no good it's what a heartbreaker <laughs> it's terrible isn't it awful but sure anyway right Ben tell tell people where they can find your uh, your YouTube channel and your Patreon oh, yeah. and everything like that before we go yeah I'm on um, on YouTube uh, obviously um, at uh, One Credit Classics which is a, a video gaming channel that I run where I play through old video games and obviously you heard me say that like while i was over there i took a few video gaming systems with me and uh, i played a lot while i was kind of over there but yeah like um uh youtube on one credit classics uh, twitter at number one credit classics and on patreon as well um but yeah like uh, me myself on twitter at uh, ben cartledge 80 if you do want to kind of ask me ask me anything uh, about the crazy world of uh mixed martial arts judging then yeah uh, feel free Thank you, Ben. I really appreciate it. Thank you to everybody who's listening. Sign up on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash severe podcast. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Good luck.